Stay tuned for our exclusive interview with Danielle of Now Future The Zine. Okay, so now we're recording on Zencaster. We have audio on Instagram. I have my backup audio file that I don't know what I'm going to do with, but I think we're all good to go now. So my name is uh, Curtis, and welcome back to Creative Crunch. Today I have a very special guest with me, a colleague, a co-worker, a friend, an entrepreneur, uh, Danielle. Danielle, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um I am a visual artist and aspiring curator and art historian living here in Denver. Um, And I'm the founder of an alternative art criticism publication called Now Future, which is, um, it comes in a zine format. I was actually inspired to start making uh, zines after meeting Curtis. I'm really interested in um, what's happening here in Denver in terms of like, gentrification and how that impacts our art community and the closure of DIY spaces. I kind of grew up, um, like previous to getting a formal art education, my primary exposure to the art community was through the DIY community in Pueblo and in Denver once I lived here. Um, So that's really important to me and that's part of why I got involved in alternative publishing. Um... What else? Um, I'm heading to graduate school this fall at the University of Denver to get uh, a degree in art history with a museum studies concentration. So that's really exciting to me. I'm just looking to expand my academic formal education and kind of apply that to my like DIY ethos, I guess. I'm really interested in cyborgs. <laughs> uh, I, I'll like talk to anyone about cyborgs at any given moment. So my primary interest in graduate school is going to be on um, contemporary new media art and how like technology is being used to expand understandings of um, kind of the innate abilities of the human body and just sort of artists working along that theme. Yeah, and I think that's kind of like why our relationship got so deep so quick is we were both fascinated in the same things, but from slightly different angles, right? Like I had come from it from like a graphic design kind of marketing perspective, like use the tools, create the content, push the brand. And had kind of like dabbled with some like new media stuff and like um, some highly like I guess I would say like more uh, fine art expressions of new media. Um, But then you were really that's the angle that actually was your majority. Right. Like you're very interested in how technology is sort of like even affecting the uh, physical structures of a human, you know, and what it means and how it's kind of redefining humanity. Yeah. Definitely how that how that sort of influences our identity. And then we put these technologically influenced, newly created identities, then we actually put them out into the world through technology, like through exactly what we're doing right now, <laughs> through like internet usage and different things like that. And then that in turn reshapes identity. So it's this like infinite feedback loop that I see happening. Yeah. And I, I like, also we just connected because you had this sort of like business marketing, really uh, like very driven ethos that I didn't even know how to approach. So that was really fascinating to me. Like I, I'm not so good at the like practical aspect of things. I'm, I like to theorize and I like to read theory, but it's really good for me to get to know you and sort of understand how, my like theoretical underpinnings fit into the real world right and like that's why like i pushed and advocated for a zine you know because we were both sitting there and like still the media landscape in terms of art criticism hasn't shifted much since the start of now future um but i think that's really like why we connected is because we were both 
dissatisfied with art criticism in Denver, but for different reasons. <laughs> like I was upset we didn't have more people just writing so that we didn't have more outlets and just a bigger volume of work. And then you were, you know, building off of that, we're more in tune with the perspective that was coming across, right? And I don't think I was registering that because I was okay with the perspective, right? I just wanted more of those same perspectives just repeated so that we had a body of, you know, an echo chamber essentially going for art criticism. And so then, you know, when you brought that perspective issue to light and really how the narrow, how narrow the perspective of art criticism in the Denver metro area is, despite the amount of creative things happening, is very askew. Right. There's a lot more creativity happening, a lot more art openings, a lot more art things happening than there are voices critiquing and uh, critiquing that sort of artistic expression. And then from my angle, I don't see as many industry voices supporting the number of, quote unquote, self-identifying artists that we have, you know. And so I think that's really why we pushed for now future the zine, um, because it's like this. It's exactly like we're talking about. It's proof in the pudding, you know? It's um, getting it done and saying that we did it, you know? Totally. Yeah, it's definitely been a huge accomplishment. And it's it's also given me an opportunity to kind of, like, branch out and talk to young artists who are still in school, um, especially at Metro, because that's where we both have attended school. And just that community is huge. Metro alum spread out into the Denver community and are involved in every facet of the arts here. So that's been a really good jumping off platform. And then at the same time, it's given me a chance to reach out to artists who have a little bit more established careers, like Daisy Patton, who I got to interview for Now Future 2. Um, and I like these are people that I would love to interact with, but I kind of, being more of an introverted person, I could never really approach anyone just, you know, randomly to strike up a conversation. But now Future has enabled me to be sort of a conduit and um, like interact with people like Daisy and give Daisy an additional platform that she maybe wouldn't otherwise have, um, you know, outside of a gallery. And that's, pretty much the idea behind now future just providing people with additional platforms and new audiences and also giving me an excuse to be a voyeur and like talk to my art heroes well and then the other part of that sentence that i think is key is outside of a gallery right because especially in the denver metro area i think we see this heavy 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 rotation around openings and closings first fridays and the last day to see the exhibition, right? And we're talking about like five weeks in between where, you know, it's, and I mean, we can be frank about this because we work in the industry and we work in a gallery, you know, other than those days, attendance and audience and engagement usually is pretty low. And so to have have a tool that is, you know, quote unquote, non-linear and doesn't revolve around a physical space, right? It travels with you, um, I think was very, very crucial. Um, and I really like encourage anyone to just turn your sketchbook into a zine, start um, submitting to Danielle's project. Because um, the other thing I really want to note is how quickly I saw Now Future go from you putting in a lot of effort to hunt people down into you know, a lot of people just coming to you, right? Yeah, totally. That has definitely happened. And I hope that continues to happen. Like people sending me submissions, article ideas, their own artwork. I would love to have more people um, writing editorials. Like Curtis wrote an editorial and I'm looking to get somebody, um, possibly my spouse, to write an article about um, harm reduction in Denver. So it, the, the publication actually has a lot of room for things that aren't necessarily art related, like harm reduction, which I think is a really important issue here in Colorado. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really just like a shout out to anybody who's interested in writing anything. Really, it doesn't have to be arts related. Yeah, but in, in that, and I think I think the better word to use is still it's creative, right? Yeah. You know, and um I kind of want to unpack that a little bit because what you're doing, quote unquote, would be 
I got to stop saying that. What you're doing would be uh, considered being a publicist, right? Like being a magazine editor, you know, is these kind of roles, like a journalist, which, and I mean, I think you can speak to this more, maybe was not part of your workflow before Now Future? Um, Not necessarily publishing. I do have um, formal training in journalism. Um, I've had like several careers and one of them was as a a journalist and a freelance writer. Um, And I have a background in editorial, but I have never taken on publishing my own um, content. And so that's been super liberating because I think when you work for someone else, then you're sort of beholden to what, whatever agenda they have, whatever kind of content they see as necessary. And with this, I could just, I could not only write my own content, but I, I can decide what's important and also like use the voices of other people to sort of like decide what content needs to be published. And is it still, is it satisfying in the way that like sitting down to do a collage is satisfying? Uh, it's satisfying in a different way because I think when I make art, it's like, it's pretty immediately gratifying. I don't work on projects for months and months and months. I work on projects for like a day or a few days or maybe a week. But with Now Future, it's it's a tremendous amount of effort and it takes months, like putting, putting together all of the content, finding people and reviewing submissions and then like interviewing artists. And I designed the layout and um, the cover and things like that. So it's like, it's a long-term satisfaction, but I guess in the grind, sometimes it's actually really annoying to work on. Like in the moment, I also don't want to do it, but I know that the end result is going to be really positive. So it's, it is different, like long rambly answer to your question. It's satisfying, but definitely in a completely different way. One of my major points in that I've kind of yeah. been unpacking is, you know, really what creative people do with their time and sort of how they spend that time and sort of I'm, I'm kind of trying to equivocate it to like percentages um, in my brain. Uh, so, you know, like I talk about maybe like how, you know, me as a zine maker and a publisher and things like that, I've been involved in um, little projects here and there. Honestly, my own personal zine making is probably the thing that matches like now future in terms of like effort and consistency. Um, but it's like that's like we're talking about how like it is a struggle, but I think on the end of that struggle, like each time you've gone through that struggle, I've seen you like totally gain a whole different nugget or perspective on like what it means to be a publisher, you know? Um, and, I, and I think it's really important to continually creatively challenge yourself as a maker and a creator and things like that. But this kind of project, zine making and self-publishing can still serve the community that you're a part of. So I kind of see it as like research with a purpose. And I wonder if like now future has like informed your perspectives as like an art historian And I know, you know, like in research, they talk a lot about like firsthand versus like secondhand. And I'm wondering if this is maybe like influencing your workflow or like how you're going to approach this new educational window at DU. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And it it brings up something that I was just actually thinking about earlier today. Um, Getting to interview artists and hear artists comment on their own artwork. I think that's really different than um, like academic research I do, which is usually, it's not like people writing academic content aren't interviewing an artist. They're viewing artwork and they're coming up with their own ideas about what that artwork means. And even when we read um, reviews of exhibitions, it's all based on the author's opinion or idea about what the exhibition says and what the artwork deals with. And so I do think it's really important for people to go out and actually speak to artists and um, learn about the artist's artwork from them. And not that those other perspectives aren't important. I think it is important to hear um, 
like a- academic perspectives on art and hear many, many opinions on what artwork actually means. But it's very valuable to go straight to the person who made it and see what they think. Yeah. So that that's definitely informed me. Yeah, and does it inform sort of, I don't know, like, I don't really know what I'm getting at here, but I think like, you know, it's really important to kind of create these tools for yourself. And like, that's exactly what like stuff on walls was, was there was no opportunity to just like screw up. Like, like there wasn't even like a safe place to just screw up as an artist, you know, like you had to sign up for a craft fair or a production company and like put all this money and this time and this effort into it. And I think like academic research, and at least in my experiences, has kind of been very similar. You know, a lot of the things that I'm interested in talking about in my papers, there's not necessarily a substantial body of work for that or like in terms of career guidance. It's a whole new thing. And so I think this will be really interesting to see kind of what it does when you go to DU, you know, and what it turns into. Have you ever had like other art historians kind of approach you about this or anything? Not really. I don't think so. I haven't really built necessarily a great community of other people doing art historical research. My like primary group that I'm involved with now, it's mostly visual artists and maybe one or two people studying art history, but I'm hoping to build that up at DU Um, with my cohort because it's very small. There are only nine people in my cohort. Uh, So that'll be a really good opportunity to just sort of like bounce ideas off of other people. But I think what you're talking about, like you mentioned stuff on walls and kind of not being able to screw up. And I think part of that just has to do with like something like stuff on walls being in a very public way. Like it's out there. So You don't want mistakes to be obvious, even though I'm sure there were mistakes throughout the course of like building up stuff on walls, but the final product didn't necessarily have mistakes. And Now Future, I think the beauty of Now Future being an alternative DIY publication is that there isn't an expectation of perfection. Like I've gone back through the first issue of Now, Now Future and found like tons of mistakes, like tons of typos that I didn't you know, I looked over it and over it and over it, and I am definitely a perfectionist, but I still like missed those things. And I mean, nobody has called me up to say like, there's a typo on page four or something. So that, that is part of like the underlying charm of having a sort of rough publication like this. I can kind of screw up a little bit and it's Oh, well, we screwed up at stuff on walls all the time. Like if you were to compare (laughs) what we were doing to like other production events in Denver, um, you know, it was just, it was literally like me and like whoever would volunteer or whoever was standing around and had two empty hands. Um, So I think that I kind of want to like spend a minute on because what you experienced with now future, I'm sort of experiencing with this, you know, with this like whole new workflow of like live content creating and podcasting um, that I really think sort of, at least for me, my design training and my art training was inhibitive in this way, like really actually was preventative, you know, like being trained to know what polished things look like was very detrimental to me mentally getting over this hurdle. And I think you experience, and that's probably why I pushed you because, you know, I have this bad habit of helping other people before I help myself. But I was kind of like seeing that in you, you know, as well. It's like we kind of have this expectation of like this is what this needs to be or this is what this needs to look like um, in our art. And I'm sure makers experience this and I experience this as a content creator. So what kind of I think what got, what got you over that? Like, what did it for you? Like, what was the kind of like mental, I don't want to use breakthrough, but like shift in perspective. What was the shift in perspective from sitting around talking about how art criticism in the Denver metro area is not the way you want it to be to getting now future one done? Um, it, like, actually, a lot of it was you just telling me, like giving me a challenge. And I 
if someone challenges me, it's just my personality that I feel I have to meet that challenge. So you telling me like upon us meeting pretty quickly telling me like, I hear you complaining about art criticism in Denver, but what are you doing about it? Like, I wasn't trying to write for, you know, Westward or um, the Denver Post or like hyper allergic. I wasn't doing anything. I was just feeling annoyed. Um, so that was definitely the biggest inspiration behind getting things going. Yeah. And just wanting to make a difference. <laughs> right. And this is, you know, and like, that's the thing is, is like, I also think that like, you know, as creatives and people like that, with that kind of thinking, we also think that like the first one is going to save the whole world, right? Like this piece of art will do it. Like this is going to be the thing that changes everything, you know, like once they see this, the whole world will change. But that also is not the truth. I think also the truth is consistency, which is also why I pushed you towards a zine. Cause I knew by nature, those can be multiple issues they can come out every week they can come out once a year they can be birdie level publications they can be westward level publications they can be black and white and just done but the thing is is like consistency and so i think as creative people i think we need to like unpack that a little bit more and just like know that doing it and whatever it is in any percentage of your big dream or goal is success and is a win. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Like just chipping away at a goal a little bit at a time, it doesn't have to be perfect the first five times you make something. It it doesn't. And we we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to perform. And I think the way that people view art as kind of a frivolous profession, there's a lot of social expectation that things be perfect uh, within the profession too. And I mean, that's never going to happen. You're never going to be perfect 100% of the time. Now future is still like has a very long way to go. It, I'm still learning about design principles and I'm still learning how to um, like use different platforms to create the content. So I think the most important thing is the learning process. And I think that's pretty true of most artwork that I do. The learning process is a lot more important to me than the finished product like even if i view an artwork that i don't necessarily aesthetically gel with but i appreciate the process i think that's going to be more interesting to me like nine times out of ten and your process is my people the more people i have involved that is my like gauge for success you know and so like just quick shout out to like seriously the most engaged audience i've ever had on an instagram live stream um but like that kind of thing, you know, and like that's the same thing, you know, and I think that's why I'm so excited about like content creation as well is like when I was doing a Twitch stream for the first time the other day with a friend, we were like actively learning and signing up for things with like this just random Twitch user who decided to like tune in, um, you know, and we just started asking questions to him because it seemed like he had been around the block a couple of times. And so just like, for me, I think, yeah, it's like the more people are involved and that comes from my art um, all the way up to like content creation and things like that. It's more about the voices involved than like whatever the artifact is. Right. And I think that's what really attracted me to the art industry as well is like, I don't know if y'all have really like paid attention at an art opening, but nine times out of 10, it's social, right? Like it's, people standing in tiny circles, you know, like not even looking at the art. And so like unpacking that, like that's what got me fascinated about the art industry. It was like, oh, there's people who actually like make this kind of stuff happen and like orchestrate this. And sort of like that's kind of been influencing my artistic practice is like, can I as an artist use the same tools that a marketer and a content creator would use but with my unique skill set to kind of pull influence um specifically in denver around like ethically how artists act and that's why i wanted to have you on danielle is because i think you're a great example of maintaining an open mind shifting perspectives adapting and like just doing and i think we got enough talk going on right now right and 
to see you do, I think has been a huge motivator for me to also do. And so I wanted to like introduce the world to you and your projects um, because I think you're a great example of taking an educated artist and just being a critical thinker, you know, and really just shit's changing people. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's changing. And as artists, we are usually on the razor's edge of that change and like leading that change. And so um, the reason I wanted to have Danielle on is because like, I see you as that change, you know, as being a shift in what it means to be an art historian, what it means to be a magazine producer, what it means to be um, a curator. And I guess we could like un uh, unpack that a little bit um, and do a little bit of shameless self-promotion. <laughs> uh, um, because Danielle and I have been given the opportunity to co-curate an exhibition at Recreative Denver in November. That's a mouthful. Um, and we're really kind of exploring I think, you know, it's weird. I I started out thinking that we were going to be exploring other people, but more and more, I think this is like a selfish exercise for us to explore who we are, you know? Um, and I think you could talk about maybe, um, you know, sort of what kind of art we're after and maybe sort of the goal with our exhibition yeah, it, that we're calling so... self when we originally started talking about this exhibition, I was really thinking a lot about um, technology-based art and digital art and how that influences our perception of ourselves. I was thinking a lot about things like Instagram, where people view other people's profiles on Instagram and then model themselves after those profiles. And I think people have always done this, like looked out into the world and sort of copied what they see. We all do that every day, but I think with social media, uh, there's more of like a heterogeneous population to draw from. So you're taking all these like different profiles and you're incorporating them into this sort of like super hybrid self. Um, and I'm just really interested in seeing what that looks like in terms of the art that people are making. But now I feel like things are evolving in the show and I'm, I'm not so sure it's focused specifically on like technology-based art or how technology influences our like self-identifications. And that's really interesting. It's just sort of a mixture of like what we see in the real world and what we see online and in uh, sort of media representations. And so then now there's this other layer of like back and forth conversation between real world representations and um, representations we see in social media, et cetera. And I tend to create feedback loops of whatever we're doing. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's an interesting point. I really think that's true. And I like what you said about the show sort of allowing us to like self-explore too. And I think that's pretty true of like any project that you and I are involved in. It is a process of self-exploration, even if we're promoting someone else or even if we're trying to like further someone else's career, we're still exploring ourselves and like where we fit in the world. No, but it's, it's tough to do because the landscape is changing so much, you know, so frequently. And so I think it puts people like us in very interesting positions because I'm not like an early adapter right out of the gate, but I'm whatever phase is like right after that. Like if I see a couple people doing it, I'll download it. I'll check it out. You know, like if I, you know, same, same back to the people. Like if I see the people engaging in it first, then I'll jump onto it. But I'm usually not like the guy who's like spearheading saying like, we need to like move this direction. Um, but I really do think that like, we always have that like feedback loop and we really didn't like, haven't really talked about that until now, but it's sort of like created itself within the exhibition because as we started talking to artists, we talked about like, oh, well, this person makes art in their house. Maybe we should live stream from their house. Uh, maybe we should have a way of like cataloging the people who come to our exhibition and like create a database. Yeah. Um, that came after the whole like, 
Yeah, that came after the whole Facebook privacy thing. You know, we were talking about the whole Facebook privacy issue and sort of the idea of like selling your data. And now it's really interesting to see how like blockchain technology is trying to allow us to at least capitalize on our data and get some revenue from that. So it'll be interesting to see that. But yeah, we talked about like mouth swabs, fingerprints, things like that. Um, because it was, it's, it's, um, for me, it's the people that will go, you know, and um, it's not necessarily the artifacts on the walls, but again, like the conversations that happen. And so I think now we've been more and more brainstorming about how the marketing for this exhibition is an art project in and of itself and how we can try to make it as open-ended as possible so that there's feedback loops and opportunities for viewers to engage in this. And, um, you know, I think with our experience, the gallery that we work at is really unique in like offering consistent programming themed to the exhibitions. And so that's influenced our thinking as well. Um, yeah, it's it's been an interesting journey. And I think we're going to have to have another little uh, intentional meeting about that to kind of get everything um, squared away. Because I know we got some emails back from the venue um, about programming and all that stuff that we're talking about right now. So that'll be exciting. Um yeah, well, we've hit the 30-minute mark on Zencaster, so maybe I want to give you kind of just a couple minutes to let everyone on Instagram and in the podcast in the future um, to, like, know how to get in touch with you, uh, where they can find you. Everybody pretty much obviously has your Instagram handle right now, obviously, um, but kind of like you could go over, like, the submissions process if you have a theme for the next anything, anything kind of relating to your projects or whatever, um, I'll just give you a kind of a couple minutes uninterrupted to do that. Okay. Cool. Well, thanks so much. Um, so I haven't really thought about the next issue, actually. Um, if anybody has any ideas, I definitely would welcome like a pitch for content. Uh, and you can, you can DM me through, this Instagram account, um, you can also send me an email. It's nowfuture.thezine at gmail.com. Yeah, send like images of your uh, art that you're making or ideas for an editorial or basically anything. <laughs> Super vague and open-ended, but yeah, whatever. I'm really open to like any idea, like especially things focusing on whatever's happening here in Denver right now. Awesome. Yeah, I highly recommend checking it out. Um, send Danielle a DM. Yeah, basically, if it can get printed, you'll put it in there, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it'll be really interesting. Uh, there's been really amazing interviews and like editorial content as well. And really kind of if you're sick and tired of like listicles and I don't know. Personally, I'm sick of everything being the best. Um, I hate kind of like the participation ribbon, uh, you know, culture that's been created. Um, not, I'm not discounting it, right? Like we do have an amazing caliber of art here in Denver, but that doesn't mean that we can't push to make it even better. Or in my terms, it's like pushing things to market better, to reach different audiences, to increase accessibility, um, to increase visibility as an artist. And so Danielle's publication is a way for your, um, you guys to start getting your stuff out there. Um, yeah, poems, writing, whatever. Like, yeah, like now future is an avenue, is an opportunity. Uh, much like the digital atmosphere that I'm kind of creating, I wanted to bring Danielle on because now future is very much physical. Um, and is a great thing to do. Yeah, for now, you know, who knows, who knows what that could turn into. Uh, Special shout out to my friend Cabo Cuts on the ones and twos checking in on the Instagram live stream. Cabo is an awesome monster creator in the kaiju style. Hope I'm saying that correctly. If you're tuning into the live stream, make sure you smash his profile, leave some love, leave some likes, and check those creatures out. 
So today I had my very first guest on Creative Crunch. Uh, Danielle is one of my co-workers at the gallery that I work at on Santa Fe Drive in Denver. Um, so I really wanted to have her on. You know, she's a really amazing person who after like a little bit of nudging and a little bit of, um, you know, like a little bit of encouragement, she got a zine going called Now Future the Zine. It takes a different perspective on the art industry in Denver and sort of what's going on um, with sort of quote unquote emerging artists to use other people's words. I don't really like to use the term emerging artists because we're all as professional as we want to be. Um, and I get to pick what I am, not you. So um, we really talked about sort of self-publishing and sort of kind of like the mental barriers that challenge artists um, and sort of the uh, motivation needed to kind of get over um, the obstacles of content creating. And so I had some notes for today's episode, uh, but I think we could really kind of like unpack that and kind of unpack maybe how um, as creators and makers, we get over mental barriers, right? Like, Maybe um, we should just talk about that for a couple minutes um, and just see how that goes. Um, I think there's a big difference <laughs> between doing and saying you're going to do something, right? Like talking about something and actually doing something are two completely different things. And I'm guilty of this too, because I think um, just as artists and as makers, our brains work a little bit differently in general. And so I think we spend a lot of time kind of creating our own little worlds and our own little universes. Um, and sort of creating, really honestly, creating obstacles for ourselves. Um, I know I did that, you know, like you get into this mode, especially with like anxiety and other mental illnesses, you get into this mode where, um, you've created so many mental barriers. Um, so you've got to get over those mental barriers and I'm still working on them. And I think honestly, content creation and, um, these kind of things are sort of therapy for me in a way. So it's really helping me get through a lot. Um, and talk is for ideas, you know, talk is for lists, you know, like spend a little bit of time in your sketchbook, in your head, jotting things down, but don't spend the entire day in your sketchbook unless that's your vibe. I guess I shouldn't be harshing on people's vibes. What I'm saying is whatever amount of time you spend on ideas, move those into things like move those into other things, um, that need to happen. Um, and things like that, you know, uh, move ideas and move that kind of energy into products. And what I think Danielle and I did a great job of is, um, talking about how making a zine is doing right. Like she spent a lot of time and I mean, we both spent a lot of time from different angles, sort of talking about how art criticism in Denver is um, not what we wanted it to be. And instead of doing something about it. And so then we pushed ourselves to like do something about it. Well, I pushed Danielle. I've supported the project. I wrote an editorial for there and I should probably be submitting my photography and some other things like that, or maybe getting Danielle a uh, transcript of um, our interview so that she can have that for now future. I think those are all great ideas for me to continue to support that project. But um, that was the big difference. So I've got uh, Jay Penn the second on Instagram here asking about cultural barriers and sort of my take on cultural barriers and maybe how um, we can kind of overcome them or shift them or maybe participate in different cultures that support art differently or just recognizing. I think there's a lot here. It's getting my brain going. So let's, and he's just, or they, I'm going to stay as gender neutral as I can because gender is performative as evidenced by me being a cat right now on the live stream here in Colorado to become a working artist, a network is needed totally. And I think you'll, yeah, right. So could you, uh, gosh, could you elaborate a little bit? Um, it, and I don't mean to like put you through the emotional ringer, um, here. So feel free to just like stop talking to me whenever or tell me that I'm overstepping my bounds. But you're, uh, Jay Penn the second is saying that here in Colorado to become a working artist, a network is needed. And with that, I think they're trying to tie in the thought of the cultural barriers that come with that. Whereas in other places, a marketplace is useful. Right. So here in Denver, I think you have to have 
tremendous interpersonal communication skills to kind of build that network and overcome um, barriers to that. But I think... And maybe it's because I am incultured. Maybe it's because I'm already in the scene that um, I don't see this as a challenge. So I'm going to try. And that's why I'm asking for your perspectives is I'm trying to get into the mindset of an outsider, of somebody who wasn't born and raised here um, and someone who isn't comfortable just going to an art opening. Because right off the bat, I want to say this, just like go to an art opening, like screw cultural expectations. Like if you think that you don't belong somewhere, like that's a you issue. Just get over that and like, go, go to that art opening, go to that cultural thing, go to that music, whatever, like regardless of who you think is going to be there, what you think is going to happen, right? Like back to like unpacking these mental barriers, like just go, you know, um, and just do it and just get out there and like be brave. And I think kind of what's cool about the art industry or like just art spaces or music spaces or cultural spaces in general, you have natural built in icebreakers, right? Like you can just walk up to someone and say like, what do you think about this? Or like, Oh man, this is like, what is this? What are we listening to? What is going on here? You know? And like, you can just express your opinion and that will start a dialogue because for me working in the gallery industry and like from the DIY scene, on stuff on walls, sort of the, um, sort of the things that I would do, um, during stuff on walls and during those days was just to like go and be there and like absorb, try to be a social chameleon a little bit, you know, uh, do a little bit of research, vibe some of the artists, you know, like be familiar with their work a little bit ahead of time. See if you can find a curator for the space. See if you can find, uh, the event organizer or the production company. And if you can find production companies then you can usually find the people that are working in Denver locally for that production company. Um, and a talented artist can be distracted from the creative flow. I understand, although talented artists and if I don't know if you're more comfortable doing this, but you're more than welcome to like send an invitation to co-host this stream for a couple of minutes. Um, if typing is distracting or if you think that I'm just like not picking up on what you're talking about, uh, feel free to co-host for a couple of minutes if you want to do that. Or you can send me DMs later and we can address these kind of things in other episodes. Um, okay. Yeah. And just network and just like start getting out there and like, cause the thing with Denver and with like stuff on walls and what I was getting at with that is like, I really, I would intentionally not like ask about people's titles. I think one that's like rude. That's like asking about like someone's paycheck. Like you just don't walk up to someone and are like, Oh, are you the curator here? Sometimes you do have that opportunity and sometimes you don't for others. I want to help create a new space for others. Oh, Okay, so I'm going to maybe talk about on stuff on walls for a little bit, which are you familiar with me from there or are you like new? Um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about stuff on walls for a little bit, right? Because that was me creating a new space for others, right? And it was a nomadic space. Like, let me be clear about that. Like stuff on walls did not have a set address ever <laughs> stuff on walls would literally happen wherever I could find a nook, wherever I could find a cranny. Um, I would do stuff on walls for a day, for a week, for a month, for an hour. Um, so, ah, okay. Yeah. So with stuff on walls, what I did was I would just look for opportunity. If I went to go get a cup of coffee, if I went to another friend's art show, if I went to something else and like literally that was a building that either had bad art on it, like Michael's or like, you know, like pre-framed kind of wrapped canvases stuff, like coffee shops that would have coffee cups or like art of coffee on the walls. Like I would go into those kind of spaces and look for that kind of stuff. Um, stuff on walls was really awesome. And I'm kind of recreating the same energy digitally here. So I really hope that you stick around and I really hope that you um, DM me. So with stuff on walls, what I was looking for was just to kind of go um, and was just to kind of do stuff and look for nooks and look for crannies and look for opportunities because I knew that I was not the only artist who was maybe um, too intimidated by larger national production companies or was um, 
just not self-motivated enough. I don't know to create your own opportunity. And there was like a lot of, well, there was a lot of self-motivation in Denver, right? Like there was a lot of people who wanted to do right back to this talking point. There was a lot of people who were talking about doing, but there wasn't a lot of people doing right. And, um, that was the difference is I just started to do and I just started to look for a way to produce an art show because it's really not that hard to start an art show. So I really encourage you to get this going. Starting a creative community in Denver is not hard. Like the barriers to entry are so low. So here's what you need to do. I'm going to, um, yeah, send me a DM. So here's what you do to start a creative community in Denver. One, participate. Just go to things. Just go to art things. Like get on your Facebook, go to whatever, however you get news or the back of Westward or whatever. Um, and just go and like go to things and don't think that you don't belong because you do belong. Um, so just go because you belong. And jive and just like rub elbows like when you go to get a drink of water or when you go to grab a beer like talk to the person standing next to you or like the person in front of you in line or the person behind you um i think honestly another great tool could be like intentionally like bump into people like if you see someone on facebook that you want to meet is talking about this one event nonstop for a week, go to that event. Uh, if you want to meet an artist in person, like go find out where they're hanging out and do a little bit of positive stalking. I'll call it, you know, don't take it too far, but everyone seems to talk about the events that they're going to on first and third Friday. So just go to whatever's getting hyped. Like if you want to get involved in Denver and in the art scene in Denver, uh, just ride the hype waves for a couple of months. Um, yeah, just, sacrifice your own personal tastes and just go to whatever is getting pressed. Just go to whatever is getting hyped. Just go to whatever people are Instagram storying about and just, uh, fly in there for a little bit, you know, just, uh, hang out and, uh, rub some shoulders and then go to another thing. Um, another great way to get started into Denver is to like go to multiple things in a night or to, uh, tackle a neighborhood, you know, like pick Rhino or pick Santa Fe or, uh, pick 40 West or any of those other creative districts for that matter. And, um, just walk it and hang out and, um, go into multiple galleries that are right next door to each other, multiple spaces that are hosting art. I'm going to try to like stop using that word gallery because more and more we're seeing, any space in Denver can be activated, right? Like any space in Denver can, um, frankly, can be, um, used to host art. And that's the other thing is like timeframes, um, stuff on walls was usually one night for two to three hours, right? Cause you've got to create that pressure. Um, and it was more like an art market. I would say is like how people would describe it. Um, yeah. So like that, like go for that and just like know that any space is an art space and know that art can happen for any amount of time right? It can happen for one night. It can happen for three hours. It can happen for six weeks. It can be a full blown exhibition and it can be anything else in between, right? Like I think that's the beauty of what we're experiencing in Denver is art can happen anywhere and art can happen in any nook and in any cranny. And then just get involved. Yeah. Like that's really, honestly, I think the big three takeaways. So the big three takeaways to starting an artistic uh, community or starting an art uh, related event in Denver is one participate. You can't expect others to just sign up for your thing if they don't know who you are. And if you haven't proven that you go to other events and that you spend some money at other events and that you support artists, um, things like that. So go to other things, ride the hype waves, get invested, just go, just go, just go to things, just do it. Uh, the second is realizing that any space is an art space. Any space is a space for makers and creators. Any space can host an open mic night. Uh, any space is a space for art. Your living room, there's some security issues there. So maybe like your garage, your detached garage um, could be a, a gallery and be a space to host your collection, to host other artists, to ho host open mics, to host music, whatever. 
um, community centers, schools, I don't know, Google free event spaces in your neighborhood and figure it out and figure out cheap spaces um, and just do it. because it's the people that make up the art scene, right? Back to getting involved in the art scene. It's not the space. The space gets energized and turned into an art space when you pack it full of creative people, right? Like when you put a bunch of people who want art and culture into a room, then boom, art space, ta-da, you know, like you're good. So just do it. And I think Denver needs more doers, right? Like Denver needs more people who realize that starting art events and starting art markets um, is really easy to do. And we need more of them. Like we need more art markets. We need more opportunities for people to safely fail. We need more things like that. Like we need more art events with low barriers of entry on both sides. It should not cost hundreds of dollars to participate in something. And it should not cost you signing your life away to participate in something. And it should not, um, be determinant of, um, you selling tickets for that matter, you know, like you shouldn't have to sell a million tickets just to have a 10, fi- 10 by 10 square foot, you know, piece of air and land, you know, like it should be 20 bucks. It should be free. It should be this for that. It should be promo like bartering way- there needs to be, um, way more time or way lower barriers of entry, right? There, there needs to be more art markets and more art happenings where artists only have to pay less than $100, less than $50 to participate. Now, the other thing is, as artists, you have to realize you do have to cop up cash, right? Like you do have to pay for these things. Like I really, I said free earlier, but I don't know if I necessarily agree with that 100%. You know, like you want to um, have a business, right? Like you want to make this your career. And in doing that, you're going to have to eat some of the money up front. But if you're smart about it, you should know how you can quickly recoup that cost. Um, yeah, I'd like to thank, uh, J pen, the second and truth slithers, uh, for tuning in to the first kind of section for the live stream and for podcasting. Um, I've got to see if I can get like a time clock going or something. I got about another 20 minutes to kill for this episode. So I'm going to try to knock out another segment um, and get things going that way. But I really appreciate the love and support. Uh, check out those guys on the Instagram live stream. Um, it's going to disappear. So maybe I'll throw them in my stories the next couple of days, things like that. Give them a promo. Uh, but that was really motivation to really start talking about unpacking the art industry and what it means to be an artist and what it means to be an event producer and how easy it is to be an event producer in a city that is growing and changing and loves culture and loves art and loves design and wants to participate in that. So if you're an artist and you are complaining about not having opportunities to showcase your art for various reasons, just know that like with a little bit of extra effort, you can create your own opportunities. And that's exactly what I did with stuff on walls. And I think there's more people starting to do it who deserve recognition. So yeah. Yeah. All right.